Killer Bees have relocated their hive. It's at the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, which is currently located at the decoy. Let's join the boys, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. This is your spot to be on Saturday as you cheer on your Texans on their, uh, at the decoy. Uh, wall-to-wall TVs there. But uh, what will blow you away is their 24-foot indoor TV. That's a big TV. And then they have a massive 185-inch TV on the patio right on the banks of those sand volleyball courts. Uh, Come wearing your Texans gear. Get $2 Modelo drafts, Mexican candy shots all day if you're in that Texans gear. And then after the game, stick around for UFC 297. Enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers, $100 Don Julio bottles. Good deals on both of those. And then the decoy, your home for all UFC and boxing events, as you know, and as you should know by now because we always talk about it. There's never a cover at the decoy with UFC and boxing events. Who else does that? Uh, book your table now, though. you got to reserve your spot. If you, they're going fast, you better act fast. Visit thedecoyhtx.com, thedecoyhtx.com. 713-780-ESPN. So I, was, I had this in the, uh, as a question that I wanted to, to throw off you guys a little bit earlier, and then I saw this Hector Gomez report about Hector Nera. As we know, Kendall Graveman done for the year. You currently have four spots in the bullpen that are completely up for grabs. The only four known guys you have right now that I feel safe would be on the big league roster when spring training breaks would be Presley, your closer, Brian Abreu, who'd be your setup guy, Rafael Montero, because you're paying him. I have no idea where he would set up in terms, in terms of the pecking order. And then you would have a long reliever six starter, either J.P. France or Jose Arquiti. So those are four of your eight bullpen spots. Everything else is completely up for grabs with a bunch of you know random names, like you've traded for a Coleman, you these waiver wire pickups, you have a Forrest Whitley, you have a, Su- a Souza, who we saw last year, you have a Mashinsky, you have a Gage, you have a Blanco, you have a be like like a bunch of a bunch of hopes like a bunch of prayers that no one that's a known commodity even Souza, like he was a very small sample liked liked what i saw in that small yep. sample uh but a, but a very very small sample in fact i would put him the closest to having a spot in this bullpen but if he has a lousy spring you're not like pot committed to him at all the question i wanted to ask you guys is would you give hector neris who's a free agent we had a great year last year for the astros much better than his career norm would you give Hector Neris the Rafael Montero deal, which is $34.5 million, three years, $11.5 million AAV? Now, this was before I saw the Hector Gomez tweet today, yeah. who covers Major League Baseball, that says that Neris is seeking a three-year, $50 million deal. So I guess we'll start with the bigger number. Would you guys be interested in paying Hector Neris with the state of your bullpen, three years, $50 million, which is about a 16.7 AAV? Absolutely not. And as much as I have been a Naris guy, and I wanted them to re-sign him, and and I will be very open to the other uh, question you asked. Uh, at that rate, no, because at that rate, you might as well give me Josh Hader, and now I'm going to go to a legit extra closer guy that could do so much, you know, and be a, a guy that gives you options, lefty righty. That's hater money, and then some. If he's looking for that cash buy, hate to say it, but he's gone. It, 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 but no way should the Astros pay that kind of money. See, I always like to look at the previous length of the deal that we're talking about because usually guys aren't going to get better. Like, when do you expect Hector Neres' three years, like a three-year window in his career to be his best, when he's 32, 33, 34, or when he's 35, 36, 37? Probably 32, 33, 34. I, I, to me, it's no question. Like, Go look at the history of baseball for guys that aren't roiding. Uh, they're always better when they're 32, 33, 34 than when they're 35, 36, 37 on average. And I would say it's a high percentage. I would say it's like over 90%. 
Hector Neris in his last three years, if you go back to 21, 363 ERA. It's okay. Uh, 372 ERA in his first year in Houston in 2022. That's that's okay. And then last year was 171 ERA, which is the best he's ever had in his career in a contract year, no less. If if Hector Neris just if he was even to that the next three years, which again I don't think he's going to be. But let's be nice here. Let, let's be a little bit uh, gracious to Hector Neris in the next three years. If he went 171 ERA, 372 ERA, 363 ERA, how in the world is that anywhere close to a 16 and a half million dollar a year pitcher? Yeah, it's not. It's capitalizing even more so than Montero did a year ago because of the fact that he's been good in his career. He's closed for Philly in his career. But, you know, Montero had literally the best year of his life and really no signs of anything close to it when he was bounced around, starter, closer, all those other things. And he capitalized. And every agent should be looking for that kind of money, and they should throw it out there until someone throws up when they say it. And I think a lot of people probably threw up in the back of their mouth when they thought, hey, we might want to be interested in Eris. And then they saw those kind of numbers come out going, mm, but not – yeah, not at that price. No, uh-uh. Because if you're looking at him in the Montero money range, I, I believe that he's going to be better than Montero has been throughout his career. I think he's going to continue to be closer to what he was last year than blowing up like Montero did for a majority of last season. He's given you more signs that he can be in the high leverage situations. He's got multiple pitches. I, I, I just I believe in him a lot more than I do Montero. But that's but in why that are you 11. Compar- why, well, why are you comparing those two? Like, I, I don't. I, I'm trying to figure Who? out why you're trying to uh, Neris and Montero because, like, to me, because you're saying would you give him like Montero com- money? I would give him Montero yeah, money and a half, and and I think that he would be more likely to be worth it than Montero <laughs> was in the because I I mean I threw my hands up the minute I heard that deal alone going. I don't think they shouldn't have done, should have done it. Now, of course, yeah. I was hoping for the best, and then seeing how it turned out last year, you're like, God, and you got two more of that. You better hope to God he finds another pitch or figures something out. He was actually just, pretty good in the second half last year. Uh, he, bad contract, yes. I'm not. I'm not defending that at all. Uh, he actually had a much better second half of the year than like anybody is giving him credit for, and I hope that it is a trend for the future. Like his ERA in the second half of last season was 3.10. He struck out 40 guys in 29 innings. Like if Rafael Montero next year is a 3.10 ERA guy that's striking out way more than one per inning, we would feel good about Rafael Montero. Still, still a bad contract. Still, yeah, still, still overpaid, overpaid, but we would feel good about Rafael Montero coming off a disastrous season. He was he was okay in the second half. I said to you previously when we've talked about, you know, because I've been very passionate about wanting Neris back. If you didn't have Montero's contract on the books, I'd be okay with giving Montero's contract to Neris because I believe in him going to still be very effective, and I believe in him because of his experiences and success of the past. And I know you, 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 you always bring up, and you're right, look, you're not paying him for what they've done in the past. I just believe that his track record is he's going to continue to have success in this league. Maybe not 1.72 success. I hope so, but I think that he's going to be a very successful back-of-the-bullpen type high-leverage reliever to where I'd be more comfortable giving him that kind of money than a guy like Montero. Yeah, see, I think he's going to land north of Rafael Montero's $11.5 million a year, and I think it's going to be south of – I don't think he gets 16 and a half. I think he'll probably land somewhere around 15. I hesitate even with the $11 million. Like, he was fantastic last year, but prior to last year, he was not a guy who ever had a sub-3 ERA. Like, that's, that's, okay. that's good, but it's not – are you paying this guy double figures in terms of millions? A 324 career ERA, he's going to be 35 years old. I think it's high for an heiress. Um, I, I've been critical of Brown 
uh, the offseason. I, I feel a lot of times when we're critical of the offseason, we're actually more critical of Crane uh, than we are Dana Brown, which is fair. Mm-hmm. I think Dana Brown very clearly wants another reliever, even before the Graveman news. I, I predicted that they were going to sign a reliever even prior to the Graveman news, and I, I, I think that they will. Now, I think the odds increased whenever Graveman's shoulder surgery was announced. But I, I think what Dana Brown's doing wisely here is he has five or six relievers that he likes, and he's just waiting it out. He's playing the game. Instead of being the first to the market like Jeff Bagwell was last year with Rafael Montero and got him into a bad contract, he's waiting it out. He's seeing which two or three of the six or seven guys that he likes is looking for somewhere to pitch when pitchers and catchers report, and he can get you know, a $10, $12 million arm at – $8 million instead of overpaying a Hector Neris at a $15 million. Yep. So I think Dana Brown's being shrewd here. I actually like what I'm seeing from him. Now, that that's all out the window if he doesn't sign another reliever. But if he does sign a reliever at $8 million a year, I'll give him his flowers. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think that right now it's beneficial to say that with every passing day, it's it, you're giving yourself a better chance of getting a better deal on somebody that you dr- truly need. Because I was like you, I, I, I thought they'd add one. Now I think they should add two arms and, and, and in the bullpen, and I don't know that they will. But I, I completely agree that this is more crane-driven than Dana Brown. But you hope that there are two guys out there. From a Naris perspective, all you ever heard was he loved it here. He loves it here. He loves the culture, the atmosphere, everything. How he, even when he had the hiccup with his emotions in the playoffs, he loved everything about being a part of this team. That's not going to stop him when someone like the Yankees or someone overpays him and throws him fifteen a year. And, and you're not going to fault the guy if he's going to go take the one chance in his career to take a bag that big. You just look at it and say, I hope for what I didn't have to pay him, I could get two guys that could really do exactly what I need them to do, which is I don't need them to be closer or setup. I need them to be just, you know, very, very good in, in leverage situations in the sixth, seventh inning. And hopefully there's a couple of veterans out there that have been effective that you can get in that kind of five to seven range. Yeah, I think there's like Matt Moore's not a sexy name, but he's out there. Uh, I'm blanking on the other names that I liked at the early part of the offseason, too. Uh, the Uriel Rodriguez, the Cuban import, he signed today with Toronto, reportedly. It's not official. Uh, reportedly going to the Blue Jays on what has been reported as a $32 million four-year deal. That would have been something that intrigued me because yeah. I think he has a high upside. Now, it could be he's total boomer bust. Like, international players are boomer bust. Either you're going to be good or they're going to be bad. But I would be willing to roll the dice on an $8 million per year deal on a, on a volatile boomer bust, because what if he booms? And then you all of a sudden, he's outperforming the contract by a very, very wide range. Uh, the Jordan that was their Hicks, Hicks six, uh, contract right? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say Toronto, that was their, their kind of counter Was it because they missed once... on Hicks? I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. It would be interesting to see if they use Rodriguez as a starter, and maybe that was the hang-up of why the Blue Jays got him and the Astros didn't, because I, I just don't see him starting over Arquiti or France. No. And then the same thing with Hicks. Like, Hicks is getting $11 million per year, but what was the intrigue for him? It was to start. Like, were the Astros willing to offer him a starting job? I, I doubt it. I really I don't doubt think it. So. I think they liked his above-average stuff, and, 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 and they liked the fact that they could just plug-and-play him in a Naris-type situation and, and basically feel like they, they could feel real comfortable with that. But, yeah, not as a starter. I, when I saw – and Joe and I were talking about the other day. I was like, when I saw the Giants are going to convert Hicks to a starter, I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's a ton of money. And, and that, I, that definitely wasn't something that he, the Astros, I think, were thinking. 
I think the Giants are trapping them into it. Like, hey, yeah, we'll try you. And then the moment you get lit up two or three starts, you're going right back to the bullpen. I think that was just their selling point. I, I, I'd be surprised if it lasts more than half a year, but I hope I'm wrong. Like, I like Hicks, and I hope that he has success in San Francisco. Uh, 8632 relievers are so year to year. That's from Keith. I agree. And that's why I have a hard time giving $15 million a year to a middle reliever that on a three year contract. Because Hector Neris. In one year of his entire career, he's been around forever, has pitched as a $15 million a year pitcher, and that would be last year. If you get Hector Neris like that for three years, is he still worth $15 million a year? Eh, I don't know. Like, And that would be his career high for the next three years. Uh, 8693, well, you all know how relievers work. Good one season, then poor the next season. Not every time, but not worth the risk for that much money. I agree. I would be holding out on the market. And I would be waiting, and I would sign the, the two middle relievers that, that, of the pool that I like at the very last moment. Eight zero eight nine. Would you do four years, fifty million for Nara? So now that's twelve, twenty four, thirty six, like twelve and a half, twelve and a quarter. I think is what that would be. Yeah, that's that's it's still kind of high for me. Uh, I think that's um, a long time too. Yeah, and it, like you said, and at his age, you, you can't expect that the returns are going to be your return on investment is going to go up every year. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would do that. Uh, sixty thirty. So Neris isn't coming at, coming back, and I'm upset. We could have got Hicks for less money. Uh, again, I don't think you would have gotten Hicks. Hicks wanted to be a starter. I, I don't think the Astros were ever going to promise him that. And you're back with the Killer Bees inside the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy. Here are the Bees' knees themselves, Joel and Jeremy. Now behave. <laughs> Check out the decoy Saturday, Texans-Ravens. If you're wearing your Texans gear, you can get $2 Modelo drafts. That sounds like a deal, doesn't it? How about Mexican candy shots all day long? Then after the game, UFC 297, $19 Modelo beer towers, $100 Don Julio bottles. Uh, that's a fantastic time. The decoys are home for all UFC and boxing events, and the best thing about it, there's never a cover. Now, you do have to reserve your spot. They're going fast. Uh, TheDecoyHTX.com, TheDecoyHTX.com. Uh, Rockets have been struggling a bit, uh, and I always find these things uh, fascinating. Like, when you start a season good in a certain area, I think it conditions a lot of people to think that you're good in that certain area. Uh, like the Rockets, they started off good defensively at the start of the year, oh, the Rockets must be good defensively. Problem is, they've not been good defensively lately, and it's probably worthy of the question, are the Rockets even a good defensive team? But what do you? Uh, what sticks out to you with this uh, with this slump? Is it even a slump? Is it a trend? What are things that, uh, that jump out to you when you look at the way the Rockets are playing recently? First thing that jumps out to me is the fact that, you know, you're doing what I think we both were on uh, on the same page with early in the season. You're finding more minutes for Amen Thompson now that he's healthy and Cam Whitmore. In doing so, you're putting young kids out on the floor to play NBA defense and, and, and trying to play at a high level, and that's going to change exactly how you play the game, and it's in unison at the same time, coincidentally, coincidentally or not, with losing a really above-average defender like Dylan Brooks. So I think it's kind of like the perfect storm to see why the numbers kind of trended uh, south. It's because you lose one of your better on-ball defenders in Dylan Brooks, and you're really, at the same time, trying to get more minutes for two young players that haven't really played in this league enough to know what good defense is and how to play it in switches and all those things. So I think from a defensive perspective, you're bound to, to fall. I still think they have guys that are good defenders. I also think that they have guys that aren't defending like they should. But I think overall, when you look at the team, everybody really is 
understandably concerned that they're losing, but at the same time, you're almost at the midway point in the season, and you've almost uh, eclipsed your win total from a year ago. It's a much better basketball team. It's a much better product to watch. The roster shows you a lot more hope, but these are the kind of lumps that were bound to still be there for the team to take because this is just year one with Adoka and just year one of trying to scratch the surface and develop some of the young talent you've drafted and brought in. I also think it's a tough stretch. Like You're looking at this current East Coast trip that concludes tonight in Madison Square Garden. You've lost four of five, and you've been without some of your better defenders. Like Dylan Brooks missed a good chunk of games. I would argue he's your best defender. Uh, Tari Eason, who I think is a really good defender that gives you some spark, has missed some games too. But look at the, the, four, the four or five that you've lost. The only one that you won was Detroit, who's lousy. But you lost in Miami, good team, gave up 120. At Chicago, you gave up 124. At Boston, you gave up 145. And at Philly, good team with good offensive players you give up 124 so I think it's a lot of what you said like there's going to be some you know a rocky road in year one Uh, you've missed a couple of your key critical players defensively specifically on the defensive side of the ball and this is tough for anybody it's tough for anybody to go out east and and have this tough six game stretch and and try to be good defensively so I think it's uh, all of those things Uh, I would I would put my concern level at yeah, I'll, I'll go right down the middle and call it a five. What would you say? I, I think I'm probably with you. That's what I was thinking when you, you started leading into that. I think a five is fair. I think, obviously, there's no time during the course of a year that you want to see a team struggle to the level that they have. But I also think you have to remember how good it's been for a team that hasn't experienced that kind of success like they did early in the year. And it's also on the road for a, a lot of these games. And on the road, they're a different team. And, you yeah. know, we, we've talked about this with the Astros, too. Sometimes you can pinpoint it. Sometimes you can't. But in the NBA, teams are just not very, very good. Or their tendencies really get exposed when they're on the road. And, and, and that's especially with a young team. That's an adjustment that they can try and make. But that's not going to always translate. Now, they did fall out of the uh, the 10th spot in the West. They're now 11th. Uh, they have they're one game below 500. Like the Lakers are one game below 500, but the Lakers are 20 and 21. The Rockets are 19 and 20. So percentage points have the Lakers in the 10 spot and the Rockets on the outside looking in, which leads to the next question: NBA trade deadline just a few weeks away. We saw a move earlier today, uh, February 8th, the trade deadline. How how active do you want the Rockets to be uh, now in between this date and February, February 8th? Yeah, I want them to be active from the standpoint of I want a ton of conversations. I want a sign that says open for business because I, I there's things that I would like to see them add, but it's not just for this season. I think it's things that I, players that I'd like to see them add for the development of this full roster. But also at the same time, I want to start gauging and evaluating what value a lot of my players have because we've talked about the fact that there's been a lot of doubles. There's a lot of repeats on this roster, guys playing the same position, guys kind of the same kind of player where especially from the veteran standpoint first and foremost if anybody wants Bullock if anybody wants Holiday if anybody even wants Jeff Green we're open for business and we're looking for whatever we're listening whatever you have to give us and then on top of that I want to start gauging value for a lot of my players because I'm still I'm still evaluating a lot of young talent on this roster like Jalen Green to try and figure out what teams are thinking at this point and then see where you go from there But more so than anything else, I would like to see them add a shooter, and I would like to see them add a backup big. I tweeted out a week or so ago, I think it was Memphis got rid of Bismack Biombo. Bismack Biombo is not like a big, game-changing name. I think he's better than Jock, and I think that he could help you more backing up Alpi in short doses because he's physical, because he'll pound and get rebounds. He can be a low-post defender. 
those are the kind of things that help this team both short-term and possibly because he's young enough long-term. A shooter would help them too because I think that you can get a guy that can kind of, you know, open up the, the 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 defense as you're seeing a little bit more so that there's more opportunities for your your guys that can put the ball on the floor to do some things. So I'd like them to be open for business to at least have con- lots of dialogue between now and the deadline. Yeah, I want that as the bare minimum for any general manager. Like, that's your job. Like, go work. Um, I I don't want them to make significant moves because I still think you need to figure out the foundation like you're talking about. My dream trade deadline is you acquire Quentin Grimes and Clint Capella. That's my dream (laughs) trade deadline because you get a little backup shooting. He's a 3 and D guy. He's a local kid. He can score a little bit more off the dribble than people give him credit for. And then Clint Capella is the perfect rim-protecting backup guy to Shingun that can play a little bit of offense for defense, defense for offense late in games. Yeah, Clint's got a bigger contract, but I'm open to both. I I think that's exactly what my my wish list was when when just talking about it in the fact if you had a shooter and a big – then I think you've given this team everything it needs for not only this season, but depending on who they are, they can help you going forward. I think Clint's, Clint's still got plenty left in the tank. Grimes would be a great add, and, and, and he would be the kind of player I'm, I'm really talking about in terms of, I like, I know you love him. I like love his him. ability to shoot the basketball. I love the fact that he'd be coming home, getting out of that. Thibodeau, as a dictator, can wear a guy down. And he can, What'd you say he was? I think, what? What'd you call Thibodeau's, Thibodeau? Thibodeau's a dictator. He dictates everything. He, 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 is, he is the kind of guy that it's his way or the highway, and, and he, he grinds on you, and, and he pounds on you. And I think that Grimes would be best suited to get out of that kind of environment because some guys are made for it. Brunson's the perfect example because his dad played in a Van Gundy and, and Thibodeau system where he, 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 he's fine with that. He's dealt with it his whole life. I think Grimes is the kind of guy, and he played for Kelvin, but I think Grimes in this system would be perfect because he'd get a lot more open shots. He wouldn't have a coach that's pounding on him every possession. And I think that he's young and he could add to this core. I would love – it depends on what you have to give up for him. I don't know what that is, but I'd be open to that discussion yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seems like they're shopping him. And I know that he's like he's said publicly, not that I have inside information, he said this publicly, uh, you know, that – He's alluded to the fact that he would kind of like to go somewhere else. The uh, The only issue with like bringing in a guard is you don't really have a lot of guard minutes. Like You mentioned getting more minutes for a man and Cam, and if you yeah. bring in another guard, it's like, okay, well, where are you going to give those? Like Now that probably subtracts from either Cam or a man, or the guy that you traded for is not going to get on the floor. So I do think you have a surplus with guards. Now, it is my dream scenario, but I, I think it does make it difficult to bring in another guard whenever you're already trying to find minutes for Cam Whitmore. How, how tall is Grimes? He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's not, he's yeah. not overly tall. You know I've already said I'd throw Tate into the mix because I think he has some value around the league. Uh, if you could move out Bullock, Tate, uh, they listen at six to- five. They listen at six five blinkers. I I, I, I showed him. I sold him short a couple of inches, or one inch. Jock Bullock Tate. Um, who am I missing? But the, you know, you can clear out a lot of the veterans, and you can create some. Look, Grimes has got a lot of experience. I like his game. I think that you still you would still think- have Grimes, Cam, and uh, and uh, Eason though. Yeah, Tari's going to get Tari's going to get a lot of three minutes though. Though I think that Tari plays a lot of three. And, and and he can get some minutes at the three. I think that Cam is really intriguing to me, and I want to keep developing him. I think Amen has shown you that he's going to take the backup one minute, uh, and they're not going to be that many to have. That's why I can holidays expendable to me. But I think that you can find a place to, to kind of combo minutes for Grimes between a little small forward, 
two guard. You know, and obviously with Brooks out, and you don't know when he's coming back for sure, he can get Brooks minutes. I just think Grimes is a really good ad, and obviously from a Capella standpoint, you just need some kind of big man backup help because whenever you you put um, Alpie on the bench, and not that he's a great defender, but you put Alpie on the bench, and almost always they go small, and I think that's their detriment when they want to rebound and get out and, and, and kind of transition a little faster. So I would like a little bit more help up front, and those two guys would definitely fit the bill. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Corey says, what is y'all's thoughts on the U of H versus Tech game tonight? Did you hear what Michael uh, Connor said to you? No, to get ready for me. another L because his, with his Red Raiders in town. I was like, is he a Red Raider? I didn't know yeah. he went to Tech. Yeah. He went yeah, to Tech? Not only in hair color. Yeah. I had no idea that he went to Tech. How did he not know that they were playing in town tonight? I don't know, but then he was you know, he was talking pretty bodacious about his Red Raiders. Oh, like, I, don't, I don't let Coops trash talk bother me. Who's going to get uh, healthy I'm, at home? I'm calling the game, so I won't analyze the game. One thing that I do find uh, interesting, though, about the Big 12, do you know who the last remaining undefeated team in the Big 12 is? Baylor? Texas Tech. Texas Tech's the only remaining undefeated team in the Big 12. Number 25 in the nation. Number five in the nation. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get over there. It should, uh, should be a lot of fun that. tonight inside the Fertitta Center. I'm sure it'll be rocking. It uh, should be a lot of fun. Cannot wait. All right, Joe makes faces on Wednesday. Why is Joe making faces today? It's the uh, Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, right now I'll tell you about the good people at Allstate Siding and Windows. Look, I, I, I love these people because Mary and Mike, it's a family-owned and operated business, and they do it the right way. They're Houstonians. They've been in business for almost 50 years. They've been supporting sports teams and putting the name out there on ESPN 97.5, but with good reason because they take care of Houstonians. I just experienced everything firsthand. They just got done installing new windows in my house, and I'm telling you, they are a game changer. They, they said you could anticipate saving up to 40% on your energy bills. These vinyl windows are unbelievable, crystal clear, but really doing the best to keep the elements out and keeping your house exactly where you want it to be, cool in the summer and warm in the wintertime like the weather we've just experienced. And they can come out and tell you exactly what they could do for you, and you can find out if it's right for you too. No charge because Mike came to my house, and he started laying it all out for me, showing me and my wife exactly how the windows could make a difference. And not only that, they do siding too. So when you're protecting your biggest and best investment, and that's your house, you can find a way to make sure that you're doing the very best to keep the elements away and keep your energy bills affordable and more. And they've always got specials going on, like 12 months, no interest. I mean, eight months, same as cash. They've got tons of things going on, like $150 off on Windows with a minimum of 10. They're always going to take care of you. You can start the process by seeing how by calling them right now, 832-204-1936. Have them come out to your house and see what they can do, 832 Two zero four nineteen thirty six, 1936 or look them up online, allstatesidingandwindows.com. Anyone can have a hot take on sports. You're going to continue to be a bunch of soft, underperforming, tattooed millionaires? But that's not what these guys are about. Joel and Jeremy are real, actual human beings, guys that have lives, families, and feelings and stuff. So it's WTF Wednesday. WTF, why the face? Where these guys let you in on their non-sports interests, goals, and dare I say it, dreams. But more than likely, they're going with all of the WTF moments of the past week. It's WTF Wednesday. Why the face? With the Killer Bees. I love that rejoin because it's really Joe that makes all the faces and the dreams and the hopes and the desires and all of that stuff. It's not blankers. He's blank on Branham. Uh, the decor your spot to be Saturday, either if it's for the Texans game on their massive TVs inside, outside, $2 Modelo drafts if you're wearing your Texans gear, 
Or if it's UFC 297, enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers, $100 Don Julio bottles. Never a cover charge for UFC and boxing events, but act fast. Uh, the decoyhtx.com, the decoyhtx.com. Okay, Joe, why are you making some faces today? Oh, we got to start with the thing that I tweeted you last night. Last night, this clip went viral of a uh, hockey announcer getting a little scurred. Rush. Pulls it back there, and now Murphy. Murphy throws the pass across. And that puck's going to go out of play here, and uh, that's going to do it for that sequence right there. 9.25 left. I apologize if I just uh, uh, just damaged your eardrums there. Just It went right over the mesh, right over my head, so... Uh, I just I apologize for that. I'm sorry. I love that video. It made me Jake, laugh so hard. Is Jake calling hockey? <laughs> Are you saying had a little New York like flavor to him? Had a sissy. little had a little sound like that. Probably was is, up in the Northeast. You know what it so reminds me of? Is remind me. Remember when Sterling had that foul ball and it he, he, he had oh, to, yeah. And then he had he didn't he miss a couple of pitches or at bats or whatever. And then they no. said he came back. I don't think or he had just anything. been out for for something else, and his first game back, a foul ball, I think, hit him. Yeah, no, I don't know if it was his first game back, but I know what you're talking about because it was a high pop, and he, like he misplayed it, like he didn't realize yeah. it was going to come down and like bounce, and then it popped him. I think it popped yep. him like in the face, and I think it drew blood. Uh, the difference between. Uh, Sterling and this scared announcer guy was that Sterling wore it like a champ. Like, Sterling was not soft at all. This little hockey guy, I mean, my goodness, how wimpy did that sound? Yeah, that's Like, go attack awful. the puck. Go catch the puck. I, whenever I'm on the sidelines, whenever I'm courtside, whenever I'm in studio and I drop my coffee, I attack the object, whether it's a ball, whether it's a drop coffee mug. You have to have that mentality. You have to have the mentality of go get the ball. We dive on 50-50 balls. Well, you go get the player. I mean, the one that I remember was, was it in the conference oh, tournament or was it in the NCAA tournament? It was the tournament NCAA when, tournament. He was falling one of your players was going to go over the table back. and you were ready to kind of assist. I'm a, I'm a, hey, I'm a teammate. I'm a teammate. If you're in the boat, you better be rowing. And that's the way that I handle it. Not like this wimpy little announcer who's scared of the hockey puck. Although the hockey puck is a little bit dangerous. It's a little bit more dangerous than a those basketball things, or a football. Those things can, they come at a pretty high velocity. There's a reason why they had to raise the nets well before baseball. There was a reason why they had to raise the nets around the, around the rinks in the NHL. Because you're right, those things can fly at like 100 miles an hour. Sissy meter 1 to 10, where is that one? Well, hey, Joe, what was – and you know this too, Jeremy. I think, well, who was the guy that used to work for us that we had the Minnie Mouse voice? Uh, Will. I don't know. That oh. had the Minnie – Colin yeah. Soccer? Yeah, we played that. The Charlotte yeah, we, FC that we guy. Played, yeah, 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 yeah. This was worse than that, right? Knocking. I mean, he got excited yeah. and got really high-voiced. But this was pure panic. I got I to gotta yeah. go on – this was bad. This is like a – At least – I put it in 10. Two? Oh, oh in terms 10. of uh, yeah. and how bad it was? Yeah, definitely a Yeah, 10. how sissy yeah. it was. It was a 10. Oh, 10. Absolutely. Like, at least the Will guy, he was just getting excited. Like, he wasn't scared of anything. You know what right. I mean? Like, he right. was excited. Like, can't blame him for that. This one might Joe? have to do a pants check in the in the break because it sounded like he definitely was overly panicked. Yeah, I give it at least an eight, eight, 8 out of 10. Okay. All right. There we go. What do you got next? Uh, you guys referenced this earlier, but maybe the most awkward interaction I think I've seen, at least in a long time, between a reporter and a coach. Coach, uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams uh, today. 
it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. <laughs> I don't um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. That was I mean, incredible. Todd Bowles, man. Todd Bowles, could have, Todd Bowles could have lit into her. A lot of coaches would have. Todd Bowles, I tip my cat to Todd Bowles for being patient with her. I asked that to Belichick. Well, Belichick might have just been grumpy. It's a dope. But there's some there's some coaches out there that would have let her have it. Pop would have let him have it, let her have it. There's there's plenty I could think of that would have just gone nuts on. But I think when you when you've been in the business a long time, we all have been in a situation where we probably regret a question that we asked or oh, wish you could have no. pulled it back. I know that, I know you're being <laughs> sarcastic, and I've done it too. And and what's the worst you know, question you, you've ever asked? Whew, I don't know if I can remember the worst question. I know just I know guys that lit me up or tried to. Bob Hill, the old coach of the Spurs, was a guy like Pop that if he didn't know you and he assumed you were from out of town, his first line of defense was he's going to come at you as hard as he can because maybe you will just you'll, you'll quit yeah. and go home. You won't ask any more questions. He was that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. We're we're on the receiving end for better or worse or for our fault or not. Uh, yep. I think we're probably going to bring back Willa Bits at some point, and I really want to make make one of the uh, one of the bits terrible press conference questions. Which, if you're local media, sorry, we're, we're, we don't uh, we don't mean to offend, but we're an equal opportunity radio station. Some people would argue that, but I think the I, terrible interview questions need to be, be one of the uh, Willa Bits. I, I remember they belong on it. There's someone that used to be in this market that now has returned to this market that was, like, the one I remember vividly, like, back-to-back bad questions. And the second one, it was during the Brad Miller press conference when he joined the Rockets. And he said, what was it like when you played in Chicago with Joachim Noah? And Brad (laughs) Miller... Brad Miller just lit him up, laughed at him, Man. kept referencing it, and it was like I felt so bad for the person. The um, I mean, sometimes what leads to terrible questions aren't even terrible questions; it's just the answer that you get. Like when Paul asked Ozzie Guillen that question, I can't remember yeah. exactly what he said, but like, I thought that was a fair question. But Ozzie yeah. lit him up, which now makes it you know a question that would belong in the terrible question a bit on Will of Bits. All right, what's the final one you have here, Joe? All right, last one I got here. We talked about that Alaskan Airlines plane where the uh, door flew off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like They're that. offering people $1,500 in penance. Is it Wait, the people that were on that flight? Or? Yep, that's all they get is $1,500. I mean, they survived. Don't you want I'd more than that? With, no, I'd be happy with $1,500. Did, did I, I get harmed in any way? Did I lose anything in any way? Are you scared to fly again? You were in harm's way. You, you were in I'd grave be, yeah, danger. That would be, sure, but I, I mean, you didn't. You didn't get hurt. I think fifteen hundred's fair. See, I think unless that, that, you lost that, an item, just from pure negotiation standpoint, I think that that's where they'd like it. But I, they think that most people are just going to take it. I think I'm pushing back until I hear that that's last and final. Because I got to believe that with the the liability that goes with what happened, 
and them trying to avoid, and I think to take the money, you're going to have to sign something. I think they're hoping the majority takes that, and then if you push back, I think there's a chance to get more. How much could you, like, can you? Can you sue and win a lot here? Like, your well-being was safe. You didn't lose any property. Like, sure, you have mental damage here or mental baggage. Haha. <laughs> um, hope you checked it. The I don't know how you're going to, to make any money by suing him here. I, I, before you even sue, I'm pushing back, and, and I'm questioning, and, and I'm obviously highlighting everything from the fact that if this is something that happened with the plane or you were putting an unsafe plane you know, in, in, in uh, the rotation that had the, the tendency to do these kind of things, and then to think about the fact that this could have been a lot worse, that, and you don't even have to sue itself. I, I think most, most companies are, are hoping everybody takes this deal and, and just wiping their hands of it. But I think they're also going to respect a lot more and be careful with those that push back. Three five eight one. How many thousands of dollars in therapy bills can you claim? I want. I'm, if if your attorneys out there, do do these passengers have a claim of getting more than fifteen hundred dollars in damages? I'll, I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask a couple people too. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I'm uh, I'm Don't, very curious by that. The other thing is, you start thinking about it too. Like, what does it cost you if you say you get you get unlimited flights for a year you know what whether they use it a lot or a little then (laughs) i mean that's what i'm saying you want well i mean regardless if you are scared of flying it's an issue and then they're probably going to press it further but if you just say hey it doesn't cost me anything for the majority of my flights where i and maybe you put a stipulation in there about the fact that as long as there's space on a flight you fly free for a year doesn't cost you anything yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing for uh, for Alaskan Airlines. It would save them fifteen hundred dollars because they'd be they'd be flying standby. You're, you're, you're flying there anyways. Hopefully, you don't have another hole on the side. Of they, your they used to call them buddy passes, where you used to have yeah. friends that airlines had buddy passes, but you had yeah. to there had to be available flights uh, seats on the flight and yeah, stuff. I think those still exist. Like if you do, they? Like, I know six for United, like family. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the Decoy, and your favorite drive time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, 4860 says that you can get up to 3500 for a missing bag. I didn't realize Is that, that. true? I, didn't, I mean, what do you have in that bag? <laughs> well, yeah, That's I mean, you I have to, to yeah, do you have to have some kind of proof that you were carrying substantial baggage literally or that seems excessive yeah that does seem pretty pretty high uh the decor's your spot to watch the texans on saturday uh massive 185 inch tv on the patio 24 foot indoor tv wall walls tvs too uh if you're wearing your texans gear two dollar modelo drafts and a Mexican candy shots all day long. After the game, UFC 297, enjoy $19 Modelo beer towers, $100 Don Julio bottles, the decoy your home for all UFC and boxing events. Always no cover, which is great. Uh, visit thedecoyhtx.com to reserve your spot now. And you better do that because they're going fast. Uh, thedecoyhtx.com to reserve your spot. All right, let's get to some of the uh, the biggest NFL overreactions from the wild card round. 713-780-ESPN. If you have some overreactions you want us to talk about, uh, 713-780-3776. First one that we're going to bring up, the Buccaneers are a legitimate threat to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, get out of here. Stop overreaction it. or not an overreaction? Massive overreaction. Massive. Look, I mean, what Baker has done all year to kind of resurrect 
his career to some point where he's worthy of another gig or staying another year in Tampa as a starter, that's one thing. But to say that they have a chance to win the NFC and, and that they're going to be a, a contending team, no, uh-uh. They have some pieces on both offense and defense, but they don't have enough. And, I mean, look, I don't think they're going to get their doors blown off against Detroit, but I don't think they're going to win that football game, and I think that's where the discussion ends. So I think it's a huge overreaction. Which Bay has a better chance, Tampa Bay or Green Bay? Oh, Tampa Bay has a way better chance than Green Bay. See, I think Tampa Bay has a better chance of winning this week, and then it's like, well, who knows? If you're in a conference championship game, then you're just one game away. You're just 60 minutes away. Maybe you get an upset from the other game. Uh, I would say Tampa Bay, because of who they're playing more than anything yep. else, Like I think Tampa Bay and Green Bay are on the same tier. I just don't think San Francisco and Detroit are. Uh, I think San Francisco, even though they have the same record, is a tier ahead of Detroit. Yeah, I think this is a, a pretty massive overreaction as well uh, they, they took advantage of a poor team with poor momentum that was an awful form and i can't believe that jabroni nick sirianni still has a job uh the eagles <laughs> okay. need to go ahead did you see the fan threw popcorn at him yeah yeah when he's walking off the field my question I mean, to bmac when i saw it was does that guy get arrested because it was just like team security what are you going to do tell him that you got to leave the stadium the game was over yeah, I don't think he gets arrested. It's Philadelphia. Let's be honest. The fact that it was Philadelphia and it was only popcorns, probably a win. Could have been far worse. It was in worse. Tampa. It's a Philly fan oh, in Tampa. Right. I, yeah, that's a good point. But it's still a Philly fan, you know. Yep. Could have been far worse if it was a Philly fan. Did you see the Buffalo fans? They were told not to throw snow, and then they scored a touchdown, and they all threw snow. They all did like, it anyway. Really, <laughs> you can't really police everything. Uh, the Eagles need to rethink everything. Coach, quarterback, everything. Overreaction, not an overreaction. Everything to a to – a, a certain degree, you, you signed Jalen Hurts to a big-time deal for a lot of years. I don't think you're going to move on from him. I think it was more injury-driven with him. But I think that to, to a discussion we've had, it, it starts with Sirianni and his horrible coordinators that tried to fill in for obviously guys that should get a lot more credit for how good they were when they were there. And then you got to – as good as Howie Roseman has been – you got to look at it and say, hey, look, do you have the – you either have to make a tough decision or the organization might have to because a year away from a Super, a Super Bowl appearance, Sirianni looks like the, the wheels have fallen off, the doors have fallen off, and everything's out of control, and it sounds like you've lost the locker room and the locker room's in disarray too. You either have to be willing to move on from your coach or there might have to be a discussion about moving on from the general manager too. Yeah, not everything, because I would keep GM, I would keep Hertz, I would keep Devontae Smith, I would keep a lot of the really good defensive players. I, I would fire Sirianni, like, and I know they went to the Super Bowl last year. I'd rather have Bill Belichick. I'd rather have Ben Johnson. I'd rather have Bobby Slowick. I'd rather have Mike Vrabel. Like, there might be half a dozen. I'd rather have Harbaugh. Uh, there might be half a dozen coaching candidates that I'd rather have than the jabroni Nick Sirianni. But changing everything, no. I just I would completely revamp that coaching staff. The you know Bills, what, too, Jeremy? I, yeah. I think A.J. Brown's got to go, too. Just yeah, because agree. of the fact, because he's a bad apple in that locker room. I don't know if he's going to be a bad apple in every locker room, but Sounds like look it. at the body language. Yeah, you look at the body language. Look at the way all the guys handled question and answers after that game, and, and knowing that there's a culture problem in that locker room right now, I, you can't have a guy like that back. I mean, he's made his way through two locker rooms, you know. Like, that's that starts to become a tell, I think. Like, if you're doing yeah. that, if it was the first one money, maybe this one's not. And he and he's doing it with, like, his best friend. Like, we, we, we've all we've heard was that they're tight, that they're thick as thieves. And, and here they go, like, they're feuding. Uh, the Bills' defensive injuries will doom them in the divisional round. I don't think so. I think, I, I think having this game at home 
with with Allen playing the way he did last week, and and with the first time that they get to Kansas City at their place, they got they they just feel like they got a little momentum right now. I, I know that the defensive injuries, you know, are are not anything that you can just say it's nothing. But I think that this team right now is playing at a level where I, I, I actually think that they're going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, so they're playing without Matt Milano. Uh, I, he's been a big he part. Was the he's Rockets like, point guard. He's uh, like um, he's like a Cashman with like a, 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 a times two, times three. That dude's all over steroids? the field. No, I was going to at first, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Milano, Tredavious White out, Terrell Dodson, Rasut Douglas. Uh, they missed They missed Terrell Bernard in this game is when he got hurt. Christian Binford, linebacker, Baylor inspector. But they do have Ed Oliver. That's all you need. Go Cougs. Um, I I think that this is not an overreaction. Uh, to me, this is when the uh, the time ends up on Buffalo. It is huge that they have it at home, and it's the first time that Pat Mahomes going to have to go on the road in the uh, the AFC playoffs. Uh I think they're going to struggle. I think Kansas City is going to win that game. And I like Kansas City's defense. We overlook Kansas City's uh, defense. Uh, so you and I are on different sides of that. Um, we know the answer to this one. Mike Tomlin just coached his final game for the uh, Steelers. He, he's told his team that he is going to be back with the Steelers. Now, it is fascinating that he's going to be back on the final year of his deal. And it doesn't really seem like either side – well, maybe Tomlin's upset about it, but it does not seem like ownership is really all that intrigued with uh, extending Mike Tomlin at this time. I just don't understand that. I, I think it, it, there's a case to be made that there are very few that have done more with less than Mike Tomlin when you see his track record over time. And I don't think he's lost the locker room, and I don't think he loses the locker room with a lot of the situations that he's had to deal with off the field in his locker room with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and all the situations that he's been through. He's had one hell of a run, and I understand like there's a time for everybody to move on, which we just saw in New England. I just think if you're the Steelers, and especially since the Rooney family has, you know, basically done things where they like to have the same coach for a long time, and and you've had multiple guys that I think they've only had like what like less than ten coaches in their history, to where you should be ecstatic. You still have a guy like Mike Tomlin because if you put Mike Tomlin on the open market, as much as Belichick is going to have suitors and, and people that want him, I think you'd have far more for Mike Tomlin. See, I think they're the opposite of the Eagles. Like When I look at the Eagles, I think they have a coaching problem. Whenever I look at the Steelers, I think that they have a roster problem, and quite specifically at the quarterback position. Like If they had a good quarterback, I think that's a good team. The fact that they won 10 games True. this year with that roster and with Mason Rudolph starting a few games, with Kenny Pickett not being very good, uh, Trubisky. Trubisky started at least one game, maybe two. How, did that, how does that team win 10 games? Like You have to give Don't credit know. to Mike Tomlin. You have to give credit to Mike, Mike yep. Tomlin. I agree. Okay. I, like I said, I think that the proof is in the pudding that if you put Mike Tomlin on the open coaches market this offseason, I'm not sure that there's a team in this league that wouldn't interview him Jordan with, loves a, with a coaching extension. opening. Yeah. Jordan Love's extension will be bigger than Dak Prescott's next deal. Oh, boy. <laughs> we already know where I sit on this. I, I, I hope not. I, I think that that's an overreaction, but I'm sure that that's a possibility. Yeah. Because, I mean, this, like you say this all the time, contracts really aren't about who's the better player. It's usually, well, who negotiated the deal most recently. Um, yep. I think I think Love is going to get paid. I think he's going to get paid this offseason. I think they're going to take care of him. I think that he's shown enough, especially in the second half. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be bigger than Dak's next deal. Like Love's extension is going to be pretty pretty sizable. But, I mean, we're talking about Dak, who was in the MVP race for a good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. I know it ended terribly. 
Uh, but I would, I would say that this is an overreaction. Yeah, and the other thing that I would throw in on that too is just like what I was saying about with the coaches, like the other thing is who you replace him with, are you going to be better than what you are? And I think that right now we saw in the second half of the season he really got comfortable with the system. We, I gave Lafleur a lot of credit because it's that Shanahan system, and we've seen Brock Purdy excel in that system. He's the right guy at the right time for a team that needs a system guy to run that system as good as you can run it. And so, yeah, you're probably if they can't find think they can find any better in the next two to three years, then he's probably going to get a bag. I just don't know if it's going to be as big as Dax. Dax. Dax earned it over time, and Dax a little bit more dynamic passing the football, in my opinion. Jeremy, go back and look at all those highlights. There's a bunch of balls where I, I, it's like you're, I, I, yeah, but you're more of a what have you done in the past? Where I'm more what I expect in the future. So like that's kind of the like resume Dak for sure. But next five years, who's the better player? I'm just saying when you look at a guy to put a ball in a small window and throw the ball down the field a lot, I have more confidence in Dak Prescott now than I do in Jordan Love. So that that would be one thing where. But, you know, it just depends on the dollar figure. I think that – I think Dak's number is going to go down. I think Love, obviously, his number is going to go up. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think Dak's going to get as much as he as he has made previously in the AAV. And, obviously, Love's going to get a ton more than he's ever made AAV. Blinkers just doesn't like Love. Uh, this guy says, what say does that. Tomlin <laughs> – I was joking. Uh, what exactly does Tomlin do? Does he call plays? He builds the culture. He builds the culture. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Are we all in agreement that it's a good thing if Bobby Slowick doesn't get a gig? If he does, who replaces him? Who would you want? It's Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Hey, before we go to the break, a few words from my friend Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph Procedure. And the Neograph Procedure is a game changer for those of you that have lost your hair, losing your hair, have pattern baldness, and don't think there's anything to get your hair back. You actually can. The Neograft is the answer. It's not the sprays and the creams and the foams that just mask the problem. The Neograft Procedure is actually your own hair. Put where you need it most to get you more coverage and almost instantly a better look and more self-confidence. It's absolutely fantastic. You can get a consultation with Doc Linville and his staff that normally costs 150 bucks for absolutely free. All you got to do is go to 975hair.com, sign up for an appointment right there online, meet with Doc and his staff, ask questions, get answers, see if you are the next in line to reap the benefits of the Neograft. I did the procedure. I could not be happier. You're going to see results almost instantly. You're going to see the follicles that are starting to grow. But at the end of the day, when you wait six to nine months for the full benefit and for the full results, you're going to see hair that's going to be thick and strong and long, and it's going to be with you for the long haul because he's taking it from a place you're never going to lose it. Genetically, as he explained to me, you're never going to lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head. He takes some of it for where you have it and will never lose it, puts it for where in a place where you need it most, and you reap the benefits for the rest of your life. Also, he's got a deal going on now to start the new year, 350 a follicle, way down from the normal asking price, way down to save people money because Doc has told me multiple times, I'm not trying to make a killing on this deal. I'm trying to make people aware you can get your hair back. Check him out today. Tell him I sent you by. Go to 975hair.com.